are back to our series in the book of Luke today, uh, and we get to hear probably the most famous parable of all. Uh, and so I'm really excited as we finish up Luke 15, let's welcome one of our elders, John, who's going to be giving forth the word today. I just want to highlight, Justin, that sweater is awesome. You look very nice in it. I just wanted to say that, guys. <laughs> uh, like Justin was saying, it's, it's New Year's Eve. Wow. This year has been the craziest year for Zion, and we've had some crazy years. So uh, hopefully we'll close it out well. Um, but as I was thinking about uh, this sermon, I couldn't think of help but think about, um, are you one of those people in this room that needs an invitation to show up somewhere? Yeah, raise your hand if you're one of those people. Good, I'm not alone, thank God. Everybody who didn't raise their hand, they're one of those people, they just show up to your house whenever they feel like it. We've had friends like those. Um, me and Jess have had friends like that, you know. They just show up, they're knocking on your door, and you're like, who's knocking on the door? It's 8 o'clock at night, you're ready, you know, to like watch a movie or something. So we've had friends like that. Um, but the reason I bring that up is early on in my marriage to Jess, my mom asked me, why don't you come over more? And I was like, well, I need an invitation to come over. And her response to me was, it's your home. You're always welcome, right? That's what she said to me. But if you need an invitation, you're invited to come over whenever you want. That was the response. Um, and then I'm one of those people that I ask permission, even in my own house growing up, if I can get something from the fridge because I don't live there anymore. And she, like, always is like, why are you asking me? <laughs> she looks at me like, go take it. Like, why are you asking? Um, and my kids don't have a problem. They just go, Grandma, I want this. I want that. You know, Grandpa, can you buy me this? Can you give me that? You know, whatever it is. So I'm one of those people. I need an invitation. And today... I'm going to offer an invitation to people in this room, all right? Now, uh, like Justin said, we're going to get into the most famous uh, parable uh, probably you've ever heard. Uh, it's the parable of the prodigal son or the lost son. Uh, I'm reading from Luke 15, 11 through 32. And he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided this property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country. And he began, and, sorry, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. When he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it. 
and let us eat and celebrate. For this son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and he came and drew near to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. And he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you. I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But, his son, but when this son of yours came, who had devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that, I, all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today, God. God, as I've said many times, God, God, give us ears to hear what you're saying to us, God. God, I pray for our hearts to be open, Lord God. God, I pray for our hearts, Lord God, to be that ground, that good soil, Lord God, that your word can fall on and take root, Lord God. I pray today, Lord God, that you would um, allow us, Lord God, not to be in ourselves, Lord God, but God, to hear all that you're saying to us, your children. Hide me behind the cross today, Lord God. Speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. So the entirety of chapter 11 has one central theme, the lost, right? And if we go back, sorry, chapter 15 has the lost. If we go back one chapter, we see who Jesus is speaking to when he's talking these different, when he's speaking these different parables. He's speaking to the Pharisees. He's speaking to the religious rulers. He's having a conversation with them. And the reason why, and I've said it many times and many of the other preachers have said it, they were wrapped up, they were wrapped up in rules, in regulations, in customs, in traditions. And they were missing the loss the entire time. They were so wrapped up in themselves and doing all these things that made them look righteous that they missed the loss. And Jesus had to tell three different stories to remind them about the lost. They didn't get it with the first one. Tiffany preached a great message two weeks ago about um, when Jesus, when he's talking about the, the shepherd, the good shepherd, and how the one is lost, and he leaves the 99 and goes after the one. Or about the woman who turns over her house looking for one coin. She had 10, she's looking for one. I don't know about you guys, I don't look for one coin. If I lose a quarter, it's in the sofa, when whoever finds it, God bless them, right? But there was value to that coin. There was value to that woman for that coin. Now, if I lost a $100 bill, I probably would tear up the house looking for that, uh, that money. Usually it's in my pocket, in the pants that I wore the day before. Um, <laughs> but if we go into the story and we, we look at it, we dissect it a little bit, um, it's not uncommon for a father to, uh, to give in his inheritance to the children. Now, usually that comes when the father passes away, Right? It doesn't come in the middle of life, but in Jewish custom, they could do it if they wanted to. They, they could give it early. But that's the father giving it early. That's never the son going to the father and saying, give me my inheritance now. Um, that'd be like me going to my dad and be like, sell your house and give me my portion now. That's the disrespect that was uh, in this young man. 
and it says he was the younger son. So he wasn't even the firstborn that would get the double portion. He was the one that would get the, 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 the lesser, but he wanted his inheritance early. And he gets it, and quickly after he gets it, he leaves home. So he had a plan in mind when he, when he asked for his inheritance early. He wasn't, um, he wasn't asking for it just to have it, you know, to, to put it in the bank and earn some interest on it. He, he had plans for his money. And he says that he goes to a distant land. And soon after he gets there, he spends everything he has on reckless living. He squanders. When I looked up that word, that means you've, you, you've, what you had, you gave it to something that had no value. The things that he used his money on, they had no value to anyone. And um, I don't know if you guys remember, but I remember growing up and being in Sunday school, and this was on the felt board. Does anybody remember the felt board back in Sunday school? They would put all the, like, the, the pictures. And I remember they would show, like, this young man, and, like, they would show, like, a bunch of people and, like, partying, but they really never got into it, right, because they had to keep it PG for the kids. But this, this young man was squandering his living on wild parties, on prostitutes, he was giving everything he had to fulfill this emptiness that he was in search for a need to fill. So he was going around and he was, he was parting with people who were his friends. And I use quotation marks because I don't know how long he was away from home before he met these people and hanging out and spending his money on them. But I've been around people that have money and they have a lot of friends. When they have their money, they have a lot of friends. And then when they go broke, they don't have no friends no more. Nobody wants to hang out with them. When you're not buying people J's or you're not buying them or you're not getting them into parties or you're not doing those things that benefit them, then they're not your friends anymore. And this man, this young man, he learned about it really quickly. Can I say, when you're lost, you begin to chase after things that make you happy, that fulfill the longing in your heart so you don't feel lost anymore. Some of those things that we chase after, we chase after fame or celebrity, right? So we, we create a TikTok and we get on TikTok and we make a fool of ourselves so people can watch us and become our friends and we can get famous. Or we go on shows like America's Got Talent or American Idol and we get before judges and we sing and nobody tells that poor soul you can't sing. So you get there and you make a fool of yourself all in hopes of being famous, all in hopes of, uh, of getting adoration and love from people who you don't even know. Or there's people that they chase after new relationships, new friendships while they're lost. They need, they need that companionship, so they keep chasing after. Like I was saying, they use everything they have to get new friends. And what ends up happening is that they have a friend for a week, and then that friend realizes this person really only agrees with everything I agree with. They like everything I like. They're the Andy to Michael, right? You know, they like everything he likes and then Michael realizes it and he's like, I, I, I don't like that, I know what you're doing. So they go on and they go to the next friend and they do the same exact thing just to get this, this relationship, this fulfillment from somebody because they're lost and they're searching. Some people it's wealth. 
So they give their time, they give their energy, they give everything they have just to get some type of wealth so that they feel like they're worthy, they feel like they, that they have achieved something. But it's empty, it's never enough. The promotion's never enough. The bank account's never good enough. It doesn't matter. All those things, they're just fruitless. You're squandering your time, you're squandering your energy. Some people, it's love. They're lost and they're searching for love. So they give themselves to the next person and to the next person and to the next person, hoping to feel that love back. But it's cheap. It's cheap love. It, it goes away like this. It's, it's not the father's house. It's this cheap love that they have. And they'll sleep with anybody that will say yes to them. Man, woman, dog, whatever it is, they'll go and they'll lay with them. Why? Because they want some love. And I say these things to hopefully awaken you. If you're lost in this room, stop chasing after those things. You're squandering what time you have on this earth. You're squandering what God has given you. You're squandering your inheritance in heaven for something that's cheap and not fulfilling. It has no value to you. And this young man, when all these experiences didn't measure up and he was empty-handed, when he was depleted of his inheritance, God's irony shows up. There's a famine in the land that he's in. How many Old Testament stories did you read? This happened, and then there was a famine. This happened, and there was a famine. And famines, when you're rich, famines are not that bad. Why? Because you can pick up and go to another country, go to another town. You have the wealth to get out. But when you're poor, you have no wealth to get out. So what do you do? You get desperate and you start doing desperate things to fulfill your need for whatever it is, the hunger that this man felt. So he goes and he gives himself, he hires himself over to a local and he's a pig, he becomes uh, the person who feeds the pigs. Now, if you don't recognize he's a Jewish man, he should not be working with pigs. They were unclean. They were, it, it, you, as a Jew, you weren't allowed to be around pigs. You weren't allowed to have pigs. So this man, he's working with pigs. But that's not even the worst part. That's not even the, 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 the deepest part of his desperation. He starts to work with them, and he's so hungry that the food that they're eating looks good. Now, I like to watch TV. There's a show that is not on the air anymore, I don't believe, or it came back for like a season. It's called Dirty Jobs. Anybody ever seen Dirty Jobs? So in Dirty Jobs, Mike Rowe, one episode, he's in Vegas and he's feeding pigs. This was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life. It almost made me not want to eat Ben Neal anymore. Almost, almost. Then I remembered that he... he he let the blanket out, and he said that everything is clean. So, um, but in this episode, right, they take the leftovers from the casinos, and they bring them to this farm or this place where they have the pigs, and what happens is that there's these conveyor belts that are going through, and they're sorting through the, the garbage, 
and they're taking out the things that are not edible for the pigs, but they're leaving behind the stuff that the pigs will eat. And let me tell you, pigs will eat anything. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Pigs will eat anything. They had like the corn on the cob, but there was no more corn. It was just the cob. Um, they had like, like leftover like beef ribs, and they were giving it to the pigs, and the pigs were eating it. They were having a great old time. And I, as I was reading this, I pictured this young man going to feed these pigs. How could that look appetizing to me? No matter how hungry I am, I promise you, that will never look appetizing to me. You know, there's that show Naked and Afraid on, on, on uh, Discovery, and they be eating like bugs. That never. I don't care how hungry. I am never eating a grub. I'm never eating a caterpillar or a grasshopper. None of that never look appetizing to me. But this young man in his desperation, that starts looking good. Can I say when you're desperate, there's two things that can happen to you. To you. Either you go deeper down the hole or you remember your father's house. And this young man remembered, came to his senses, it says. So he was out of his senses previously. He was not in his right mind. And then he comes to his right mind and he remembers his father's house. And he says, even the servants have enough bread to eat. He's like me. I'm here feeding pigs, and their food looks good to me. Even servants have food to eat. And then, and I've done this many times, when you've sinned, when you're wrong, you think of your speech to God. How am I going to make it right? You know, when I've, uh, me and Jess have had an argument or a fight, how am I going to make it right? You know, and you, you plan the speech in your head. And this man is planning the speech. Father, he's like, um, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, but I'll be a servant, you know. And he thinks, he thinks about this speech that he's going to deliver. And then I picture him, he starts walking back home. And if you've ever felt guilty, you've ever felt ashamed, he's walking back home. And I picture him just walking with his head down, dirty, stinky, sweaty, making his way back home. And he's probably thinking to himself, I hope my dad lets me back in. I hope my dad welcomes me home. Can I tell you, our Father in heaven is nothing like our earthly father. There may be people in this room that you did not grow up with a dad. You have no idea what it is to have a father in your house. Maybe you did grow up with a dad and maybe he was an alcoholic or a drug addict. Maybe he was an absentee dad. He was there for a little bit and then he was gone. Maybe he was abusive with his words or with his hands or maybe even worse. I'm here to tell you, your father in heaven is a million times better than your father here on earth. A million times. And this is coming from a man who has a great dad. He's sitting right there. My dad is an amazing dad. He's given up everything for his sons and his grandchildren. He loves us. He's prayed over us. I used to listen to this man in his room, come home, pray for an hour or two for his kids, for loved ones, for friends. And as good as he is to me, my father in heaven is a million times better than he is. We have a loving and caring father. 
And it says, while the young man was walking, his father sees him in the far off. Moved with compassion, he runs to meet his son. It does not say that the, that the son ran to meet the father. It says that the father ran to meet the son. Now, this was troubling for the Pharisees because Jewish men don't run. Jewish men don't run. It was unbecoming for a Jewish man to run. But see, a father runs. A father sees their child in need and runs. Just can tell you, my little girl, she sleeps in our bedroom at night when she's coughing or I hear her whining. I'm the one that gets up and runs to the room. Just is like, calm down, it's not that serious. <laughs> when Micah was little, it was the same way. They're my babies. I love them. And I never want them to be a pain. I never want them to be scared. I never want them to be hurting. And I would run to their room. Fathers run. Fathers watch day and night for their kids to come home. Fathers see them from a far way off. And notice his father greeted him with a kiss and an embrace. This stinky, smelly, disgusting young man, dad didn't care. He embraced his son. He gave him a kiss. As dirty as his face probably was, as covered in, in dirt and, and sweat and the, 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 the stuff he was feeding the pigs, father didn't care. There was a joy to see his son come home. And then the son being the son starts off his speech. Good father doesn't listen to whatever you got to say to him. He's like, no, no, no. He tells the servants, go get him a turban for his head. Go get him a ring for his hands. Go get him sandals for his feet. Kill the fattened calf. We're celebrating. Why? Because my son who was dead is now alive. The one who was lost has been found. He reaffirmed his position. The boy said, make me a servant. The father said, no, you're a son. You're not a servant. You're in this room today. Maybe you've walked away from God. You've walked away from your father's house. And you've done some despicable, disgusting things. And you come back with your tail between your legs and you're like, God, I, I'll just be a servant. I'll, I'll just sit here. I really won't. And he's like, no, no, no. You're a son. You're a daughter. You're mine. I give you your title. You don't give yourself your title. My son died for you. You're covered in his blood. I see that. And I wish the story... The parable ended there, but it doesn't. It'd be a great place to end. See, but Jesus, he thinks much better than us, and he sees far much into the future than we do. And I'd like to say you don't have to leave home to be lost. See, the older brother, he heard what was going on, and he asked the servant, what's going on and the servant tells him what's going on and he becomes angry he gets angry but again we have a loving father he comes out to meet his older son he doesn't stay at the party he comes out to meet his older son and he's asking him what's going on and the son gives 
a self-righteous, prideful answer. Hey, I've been faithful. I've been here the whole time. I've been faithful. And not once have you given me something so I can celebrate with my friends. But the father's response is, you've always been with me. Yeah, I know you've been faithful. And all that I have is yours. You've missed it. You've missed it, son. But then he reassures him. He's like, you should come inside because your brother, not some stranger, not another servant. No, no, no. Your brother who was lost is found. Your brother who was dead is alive. Sometimes we can be caught up in our self-righteousness, older brothers, that we can't see the forest through the trees. We're so busy doing the work of the Father's house, we actually miss being with the Father. I've had moments where I haven't celebrated the loss coming home. Been jealous of the younger brother when he comes home because I feel like he should work his way back. He should work his way back into good graces with the father. But the same grace that the father is extending to the younger brother is the same that he extends to the older brother. The same love that he loved the younger brother with, he's loved the older brother with. And the older brother has become blind in his self-righteousness that he can't see that. And I know you've probably heard this story a thousand times, preached in a thousand, thousand different ways, but I'm telling you today, there's an invitation. And Dan, you can come up. There's, a, there's two invitations going out today. The first is if you're lost and you've left the house, you've left your father's house, there's an open invitation from the father to come back home. There's no finger pointing in your face. You're not going to have a father who's going to discipline you, put you in the corner, put you in the bad room. You have, to, you have to work your way back into good graces. There's a loving father who has his arms open wide and is welcoming you back in. And all you have to do is turn back to walk to the father's house and he comes running to meet you. And there's a second invitation to the older brother join in the celebration. Repent of your self-righteousness. Repent of your pride. And join in on the celebration. He sees you and he knows that you've been faithful. And all that he has is yours. The full inheritance is yours. You bow your heads. you desire to take part in that invitation, there's going to be leaders in the back. There's going to be prayer members in the back, and we'll pray with you. And I promise, none of us are going to look down on you, because we've all been in this boat. And I hope that you accept that invitation today. Because your Father in Heaven is waiting oh so patiently for you to just come home. Jesus, I thank you that 
you made a way for us to come home. I thank you that you've allowed that invitation to go out from the Father to every single son and every single daughter in this room. No matter what we've done, no matter how filthy we are, you have a new turban, you have a new ring, you have new sandals. There's a celebration that will go on today because we've come home. And for the older brothers, there's an opportunity to join in on the celebration, to shake off the self-righteousness, to get rid of the pride, and to realize that the Father has been there the entire time we have access to Him. We love you. Move on our hearts to accept the invitation. In Jesus' name, amen.